This is the Houston Coaches Podcast, where we honor the legacy of Houston area football and promote growth within the coaching profession through conversations with the greatest Houston area coaches of the past, present, and future. Brought to you by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Welcome to the Houston Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Gomez, and we're back with another episode in the hopes that we can use the wisdom and experiences of past and present Houston area coaches to help guide those of us who are now charged with leading programs of our own and are navigating through the rapidly changing landscape of high school football, as well as to leave a blueprint of success for those future campus and district leaders who are in the early stages of their journey. Our guest today is a great coach who's one of the most hardworking and genuine people in the profession, the head coach of the Willis Wildcats, Coach Trent Miller. Thanks for sharing your time with us today, Coach. It's an honor to have you. Oh, man, it's an honor and it's a blessing to be here on the show with you today, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, so first off, you know, just like we start with everybody, Coach, can you please just give us a brief rundown of your playing and coaching career? Yeah, man, so I am a uh, 2005 graduate of Oak Ridge High School just north, uh, just north of Houston and the uh, Conroe Spring area. Um, was a three-year letterman there at Oak Ridge High School, played, played quarterback back in the day before, you know, quarterbacks were super athletic and <laughs> – you know, throwing the ball all around the yard. So it was kind of a blessing for me being a, you know, middle of the road quarterback. And um, I was blessed with the opportunity to get a scholarship to play at uh, Kilgore Junior College. Um, so went and played there for a year, uh, was a part of a conference championship team there and uh, got out after a year from playing there and transferred to Sam Houston State University. Um, Played there for a year. Actually, ended up redshirting there that year, uh, just through injuries and grades and everything else. I, I redshirted that fall, and then didn't feel like it was the best fit for me at the time there, and ended up transferring to Texas A&M Commerce, um, where I finished up my playing career and was a uh, was fortunate to play for uh, Scotty Connolly, Scotty Connolly, who was a head coach at the time, and uh, did some good things there, and uh, met a lot of great people. Met my wife there um, while at or while attending school there. And so, um, you know, the, the, the rest kind of writes itself storybook wise, you know, from my marriage and relationship standpoint with that, um, me and Lindsay will be married now 15 years in, uh, awesome. in actually this month in a couple appreciate that. Yeah. In just a couple of weeks, actually July 26th is, uh, <laughs> is our anniversary. So we'll be right in the thick of, getting ready for, for football season. So yeah, that's going to be awesome. you, you and, and the rest of us, you know, thousands of educators with, with summer anniversaries. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's funny how, it, how that works. I mean, I, we're either the smartest or the, the, the dumbest people on earth for doing that, but <laughs> no, man, it's, it's been great. Uh, graduated from commerce in 2008 and, uh, got my first coaching job for, uh, Kenny Hammock, uh, who recently just passed, uh, yeah. a few weeks back. Uh, you know, I thank God for him every day. He gave a, you know, a young 22 year old coach who's, you know, newly married an opportunity to uh, become coach football and, and impact lives. And I was with him for, for four years at Klein Forest. And um, after that, I was at Cy Ranch for a year. Uh, we had a, you know, had a great run at Cy Ranch that year working with Regine Johnson went to the, I believe the semifinals that year, and of course got embarrassed by Katie in 2000, <laughs> 2011, 2012. I don't remember what year it was. Um, they beat the brakes off of us like 75 to 7 or mm -hmm. some astronomical number. And uh, 
from there, I mean, it was a year there, and then got my first chance to be an offensive coordinator at Spring High School in 2000. Man, I can't remember the, the years all were together, 2012, 2013, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, Sam Parker was uh, – who's, who's at Tom Ball Memorial now? Um, I'm thankful to him in so many ways to give him my chance – you know, gave him my first chance to be an offensive coordinator and um, was with him for, for five years as the offensive coordinator. And uh, Then, of course, he went off to Tom Ball Memorial and – I was fortunate enough to uh, get my first head coaching job at, at 30 years old at Spring High School. Um, did a lot of great things there. You know, got to, you know, be involved and interact with so many good people over, mm -hmm. you know, a decade. And um, got hired on at Willis High School as the head football coach um, in April of 2022. So I've been here just a little over a year now uh, with the Wildcats. Love the town, love the team, love everything about the the one horse down atmosphere and, and everything it entails. And um, you know, we went five and five last year. Had some had some hiccups along the way with with injuries and, and everything else. But you know, we've got like seventeen or eighteen returning starters coming back. You know, on both sides of the ball. So we're primed for a uh, hopefully a good good football season, barring any you know catastrophic injuries or anything like that. We should be hopefully you know really good this year so we're, we're yeah. looking forward to it yeah the, the the future looks bright up there for sure uh and now i want you to tell, tell us a little bit more about your you know willis and you know i know you said you've been there for just a little over a year but you know it's obviously on the outskirts of houston on the north side and still you know very much small town feel uh tell us a little bit about what, about what makes that community special it's an interesting town and community to me you know I, I grew up like i said in the conroe spring area at oak ridge High. So Willis has always been, you know, 20 minutes down the road. Uh -huh. And, you know, they, they, there have been years in the past, you know, where, where they've had really good football teams. And, you know, they've had, years, you know, like most schools. Um, yeah. But what you've started to see in the last, you know, five, six, maybe even 10 years is, you know, one horse sounds have kind of taken off, you know, just with the growth that they've had and, you know, it's so uncommon to have, you know, one horse towns this close to, you know, such a big city in Houston. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got like the you know, the North Shores, you've got the, the CE Kings, you know, the, the one horse towns, you know, that have really taken off. And Willis has always kind of been, you know, it's almost, you know, it's kind of right there, but hasn't, hasn't really done it. And so, you know, that was one of the big reasons why, you know, we decided to, to leave Spring and take this job is you see all the potential that the, that the town has. You see the growth that's taken off in this direction and, you know, kind of, you know, you want to be that guy that, okay, well, you know, I can be the one, you know, that turns this place around, you know, ego yeah. kind of sets in a little bit, you know, you know, in that <laughs> fact, because you see what the town has, you see what it's capable of and, and hasn't ever really gotten quite over that hump. And so, you know, the next challenge is, okay, well, you know, I want to be the guy that does that. And, um, you know, I got here in April last year and, you know, I, I was on campus for two weeks and then, you know, spring football started. So you never really get a chance to to catch up and do all the little bitty things because you're going a million miles an hour. And, um, you know, everybody, you know, again, in that one horse town atmosphere, everybody kind of knows everybody and everybody wants to, you know, be involved as much as possible from school board members to, you know, people over at central office, community members, everybody wants to, you know, meet that football coach and they want to be a part and they want to have input on this and input on that. It's, it's really been you know, a really, really cool deal. You know, I came from spring where, you know, it's a bigger school district. And so 
you know, you don't really have that interaction with superintendents, associate superintendents, you know, a lot of the community members, hardly any school board members, because there's just so much going on at so many different campuses. You know, I was here. Feet up on the desk and, you know, just wants to just have a conversation. And, you know, I had to sit back on my chair, you know, and, and just be like, Man, I love this. I just want you to know, you know, I'm not uncomfortable right now, but I'm not used to this. Usually when the superintendent shows up, you know, unannounced, you're getting a trophy or, you, or you're getting fired. I'm not used to just, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, hey, you know, what's going on? So, like, that was a learning curve for me, you know, and, and since then, you know, everybody has been so welcoming and so inviting. And, and like I said, everybody wants to be a part of the action. And um, I really think that's the spark that the, the town has been missing is somebody who can, you know, wear so many different hats and be involved with, with so many different people and, you know, get along kind of with everybody. Um, it doesn't matter rich, poor, white, black, brown, you know, none of that matters to me who you are, where you come from. It's just about being a human being and treating everybody with the same dignity and respect. And that's been the, the, the coolest thing being here is seeing the town kind of, you know, finally come together and all get on the same page for, you know, the common goal of, you know, the athletes being successful. Um, mm -hmm. I love it, man. You know, it's, you know, my wife's here, you know, she's, uh, she just got promoted to uh, an instructional specialist role. Um, so, you know, she's going to be more heavily involved in what we're doing from an athletic standpoint with our athletes. And oh, good. You know, my older, oldest son, Michael is at the middle school right down the road. Cole's at the elementary school right across the parking lot. So we're, you know, we're all here, you know, we're, we, we, you know, we're digging our, digging our, our spurs in and, Man, we're excited, excited about the journey. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And, you know, you, you, know you, met, you mentioned your wife, Lindsay, a couple of times. And, you know, I, of course, I had the pleasure of working right alongside her when I was at College Park. You know, we were both in the English department together. That's, you know, I got to know her. And, in fact, I, I was, you know, th there was a, you know, th tradition back then that all the coaches, you know, because we had athletic periods, we didn't use the classroom very much. So they, they had us float in different teachers' classrooms. And, and one year I was able to float in Lindsay's class. I was, you know, a sixth period. I, I'd go in come in, you know, bring my little cart, my bag, and, and I'd, you know, take over her classroom for a period. So I got to know her pretty well. And, you know, and, and she's, I mean, just a phenomenal person. You know, she, she's one of those people that, you know, you can just tell, you know, how, how, how passionate she is about the profession and just how, what a, you know, what a great person she is. Just a, you know, uh, uh, a ray of sunshine, you know, for, for a lot of the kids and for coworkers. And so, you know, so that was, I really, really enjoyed getting to to work with her and know her in, in that capacity. And, you know, so I, I'm glad to hear that, you know, she gets to have that extended role there with, with that, those kids in that community. So that, that's, that's awesome. Absolutely, man. Um, she's a, man, she's a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, as, as, as good of a, of a person as you can ask for, uh, as, as far as, you know, coworker and, and, you know, somebody said that I was, I was, you know, I love getting to interact with her on a daily basis in, in that, in that sense back then. So, um, and, and you know now you you have a you have a very unique story uh, in that six years ago you know you and your family went through an, an unimaginable life changing event and uh, you you said you want to take some time to share that experience with our listeners as well as you know talking about how you dealt with it and the effect it had on you and your life and your family your career and uh, so tell us about that if you don't mind absolutely man you know so it was it was 2017 and I had just been named the head football coach at Spring High School. Um, probably around, it was, it was after spring break. So end of March, 1st of April. And, you know, like I said earlier, I was 30 years old. 
didn't know what I was doing. And, and for any coach that listens to this podcast, especially head coaches, it doesn't matter if you're 25 or 55 getting your first head job, and it doesn't matter who you talk to or who, who you interact with. You don't really know what you're doing until you just do it because every campus and every locker room is so different from one another, regardless of the background the kids come from or the culture they were raised in. Everything is different. So you don't know that you don't know. Um, it's kind of the best way to put it. And so, you know, like I said, I was 30 years old, just had a chance to, you know, first opportunity to, to be a head coach. And um, me and Lindsay and the family, we were just, you know, we were in heaven, man. Like everything that, you know, that I wanted, you know, I was getting. And it was obviously it was happening a lot faster than, than you know, anybody plans. Um you know, like I said, everybody wants to be a head coach, but, you know, once you get that phone call and you, you sit in that seat, you're kind of like, oh, here we go. Like, yeah. I didn't really know it was all of this, but let's get it. And so, um, man, life was great. You know, we, we had Michael and Cole and Sadie. Uh, Sadie was right around two and a half years old. My or Cole was just shy of, of five, and Michael was seven – maybe close to eight, um, probably a little family, right? You know, husband and wife, three kids, two boys, a girl, you know, everything that we ever wanted, you know, we had right there, you know, at the tip of our fingers. And uh, June 26th, man, we had, we had just gotten back from our family vacation to California and we were getting ready to, you know, July's right around the corner. So you're, you're getting everything geared up and ready to go. And, I still had a couple of coaches I had to get hired for some, some girl sports. And um, so I was going through interviews, you know, and, and all that stuff. And it's about four 30 in the afternoon. Um, I was done for the day and got my truck to head home. And then I was five minutes down the highway. My principal at the time, she called me and she said, Hey, I just had this resume come across my desk. I called this lady and she's in town can you, can you come back up and visit with her? I'm like, sure. And, uh, and I think it was, it was, I think it was like volleyball and uh, girls basketball, um, which as you know, are extremely hard to find, especially yeah. at the end of June right. with, a, with a science teaching field. Right. So mm. <laughs> um, it kind of just like fell in our lap. So I turned around, went back up to the school. You know, I, I called Lindsay cause you know, I'd already told her I was going, you know, on my way home and told her I was going to be a little bit later. And, um, you know, we were in the process of remodeling our house. And so there was all kinds of crap in the backyard that, you know, I was just trying to get home and, you know, get all the crap loaded up on the back of the trailer so I could take it to get it dumped. Like that's, that was my plan for that afternoon. I was going to do that. She was going to pick up the kids from, from the babysitter, meet me at the house, eat dinner, shower, go to bed. Normal Monday. Um, so I called her, I'm going back up to the school, knock it out. And she said, okay, well, I'll just go ahead and, uh, you know, I'll pick up the kids now and you know, we'll meet you at the house. And so I'd ended up, uh, you know, visiting with, with this, this, this uh, coach. And, you know, sometimes you just know. I mean, we were five minutes into the interview, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire this lady. She's awesome. She's going to be great for these kids, whatever. So the interview ended up being real short, maybe like 15 minutes. And um, so I get in the truck, call Lindsay. We're headed back to the house. She said, well, you know, we ended up stopping by, you know, Walmart or whatever kids want, you know, toys or whatever. And yeah. um, so it just so happened that I ended up beating them home 
ended up getting, you know, all the, all the trash in the backyard loaded up in the back of that trailer. And as I was getting ready to pull out of the driveway, Lindsay and the kids were pulling in. Of course, you know, they're all screaming, you know, there's daddy, 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 you know, so, you know, put the part, put the truck in part and, um, you know, get out, you know, see the boys. And Sadie was still strapped into her car seat. And, and again, you know, she's two and a half years old. You know, anybody with little kids knows they don't know how to get out of the car seat. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I went, went over to the car, um, you know, gave her a kiss, said, hey, I'm just going to drop this, this trailer off. You know, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And, you know, everything was good. And, um, you know, our house has this long driveway. The driveway's probably, I mean, I would guess maybe 100 feet long. And uh, so, I, of course, you know, I was back all the way into, you know, where the driveway's at because that's where the, you know, closest – the, the shortest path of least resistance to get stuff out of the backyard to the driveway is the back, back trailer all the way up. And so, um, you know, say bye to everybody. I'll be right back. And uh, walk around to the driver's side, you know, get in the truck, start pulling out of the driveway. And I could see, you know, when I was getting in the truck, you know, the boys had already kind of started making their way into the house. And Sandy was still in her car seat. Of course, she's raising all kinds of fits because, you know, she, you know, she don't want daddy to leave. Um, and, um, so, you know, so when I got into the truck and started pulling out, um, Sadie somehow found a way to get out of her, out of her car seat to this day, you know, that was before, you know, anybody had, you know, the cameras to record stuff, you know, that was going on or whatever. We didn't have any of that technology. Somehow, I mean, we, we, we don't know. She found a way she got out of her car seat and, um, as I'm pulling out of the driveway, um, I feel a bump, um, almost like, you know, you know, you're running over a route, you know, and we didn't have any roots in the, in the driveway. So I was like, man, that, that's, that, that's kind of weird. Um, and we, we also had, at the time we had two little dash outs. So I'm thinking crap, man, you know, I think I just ran over one of those dogs because, you know, Lindsay and the boys are in and out of the house. And so door gets left open, dogs go crazy. Anybody with dogs knows that. Yep. Um, I'm like, man, you know, I hit a bump. I'm like, man, you know, what was that? Didn't think anything of it because it wasn't that big of a bump. Um, and so, like anybody does, you know, as I'm pulling out, you know, anybody who's driving forward, you feel a bump, you look in your mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as I look in the in the in the the passenger side mirror, I see Lindsay running from the the side of the house, and I'm like, yep, there it is. Like, you know, I, I got a dog. I'm like, crap. So as I start to, you know, slow down and hit the brakes, I see her pick up Sadie. And I was like, oh, my God. And, man, it, that, that, that you know, hit me like a ton of bricks, man. You know, put yeah. the, I put the car in park or put, put my truck in park. And I didn't even turn it off, man. You know, I just opened the door and, you know, I ran around the side of the to the other side of the truck and you know Lindsay's standing right there and she's holding holding Sadie who's who's not moving and you know so you immediately go into into panic mode man and you know I didn't know at that time I learned later on that night that um you know as she got out she started running towards the truck you know Lindsay and, and both boys kind of saw that happening and both boys saw the the trailer tires run over Sadie's torso, and man, it's the most helpless feeling you could ever imagine. As 
as a father to see, you know, your daughter just lifeless right there in your wife's arms. And, you know, of course, we, we immediately hit the panic button. Um, I immediately called 911 and started doing CPR. You know, she, she wasn't moving. She wasn't, she wasn't breathing. Um, so, I mean, you know, at that time I, I did what, you know, we're going to do everything we can to fix this. And so I started doing CPR yeah. and, you know, I was probably three or four breaths and, you know, a hundred, you know, chest compressions in where, you know, I looked into her eyes and she kind of just, kind of just, I, what I thought at the time was like her last breath. And man, it was just, God, it just, it just kills you. And yeah. You know, at that point, you know, like the boys are freaking out. Lindsay's freaking out. We we could hear the sirens coming down the street, um, which is, you know, Montgomery County, uh, fire department, you know, EMTs. And, you know, EMT drivers and, and, and you know, and, and firemen and police officers get no credit for the good stuff that they do, man. Um as soon as they pulled up on scene, the, the fire the fire truck was the first first people to to pull up on a scene, and they get out, see what's going on, and you know they they just they haul it down our driveway, and they immediately start doing what they do. Man, you talk about like heroes. I mean, these dudes are just unbelievable. Um, immediately get to work, and you know me and, and Lindsay are kind of just you know at that point standing there, just like just in complete shock of what's going on. Yeah. And shortly after, the paramedic showed up, and you know, they're going a million miles an hour trying to get things hooked up to her, you know, and, and to get her on a stretcher, to get her into the back of the ambulance. And about the time they get her into the ambulance, man, we, we had like four or five Montgomery County sheriffs pull up. And um, like that was going to be our personal escort to the to the emergency room. And so, you know, someone's got to ride in the ambulance with them. And so I got into the passenger seat. Lindsay, uh, she, she left the boys with our neighbors uh, next door, which is a godsend, which is a story for another time. You know, just how God works in, in, in so many ways for you when, when you don't know what you need. Um, our neighbor, who's Miss Martha, God, we, we love her like, like our own grandmother. She was like, she's like, at the time, 75 years old, um, takes the boys. Lindsay gets in her car to, to follow the ambulance to the, to the hospital. And man, I don't know if you've ever seen rush hour traffic on 45 Northbound at five o'clock in the afternoon. I have. I've, I've, I've lived with it. Yes, brother, it's a it's a standstill. And yeah. what the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department was able to do to get us to that hospital is something you know out of a movie. I mean, shutting down a complete feeder road and four lanes of of Interstate 45. How they were able to get us from our driveway to the hospital in like four minutes, man, is just unbelievable. The work that they did to make that happen. And and I just remember in passenger side of, of that ambulance is going, I'm just praying to God the entire time, man. Like, you know, just please, you know, find a way for, for, the, for these people back here to, to give us hope to do something. And if you can't, God, just just take me. You know, I did this. This this is on me. And you start having flashbacks of all the bad stuff that you do in your life, man. You know, just everything you could take back is all 
just flashing in front of your eyes, and you, you know, and you start feeling guilty for everything. And the the whole trip, you know, the 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 driver of that ambulance is a saint in, in himself because he's listening to me, you know, internalize all these things, and you know, just begging God, just you know, just take me, just kill me now, give her life. She's got her whole life ahead of her, man. Just just take me. And uh, we got we we pulled up to the emergency room. And Montgomery County Sheriff's, you know, they sprinted around to the back of the ambulance. And, you know, as we're, as we're pulling Sadie out, you know, she's still lifeless on that stretcher. And, again, you've got all these paramedics doing all this work on her. And I, I almost just collapsed when those doors opened. And you couldn't really see any movement or any life in her. And to this day, I have no idea who this Montgomery County Sheriff was. But as I'm about to collapse right there, he grabs me. And like holds me up, man. He's like, brother, no matter what, we're going to be okay. Like, you're going to be okay, no matter what. And kind of, you know, like when you're taking a kid off the, off the field, who's got a, a ankle sprain or whatever, you know, they kind of, you know, you put the arm around the shoulder, you kind of carry them in. Like yeah. he carried me all the way in like that into the, um, this little family holding room. And by the time I sat down, Lindsay, you know, Lindsay was running in and, you know, they told all the doctors do everything they can to, to try to try to save her. And man, it felt like an eternity had gone by, which was really about 20, 15, 20 minutes while we're in that little room. And we get a knock on the door and the doctor comes in and, you know, it was just like, thank you, Jesus. Like, you know, they did it. And um, that wasn't the response we got. The doctor opened the door and he said, you know, so, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's had a lot of damage to her. And, you know, our team is still doing everything they can to, to, to save her. And it's in situations like this where we're doing everything we can. We invite the family to come in to, to be, with, be with us for what's going on. And that's nothing any parent wants to hear because it, it's in that moment you, you kind of know, you know, like this is, this is it. Um, so we get into the operating room and of course, you know, Sadie's got 30 different tubes running inside this arm, outside that one, tubes in her nose, tubes on her chest, tubes on her legs. And we kind of just stood there in the corner for about five more minutes while, you know, the, the, the hospital staff is just, I mean, just absolutely just killing what they're doing. And the doctor looked over at us about five minutes in and just said, I'm sorry. And Brother, that that is that is what rock bottom feels like, and yeah. completely helpless. And you know, you know, football coaches are tough guys, right? I'm this big tough guy. You know, every coach in every program talks about mental toughness, physical toughness. Don't show weakness. Don't show pain. I dropped like a sack of potatoes on the hospital floor right there in that operating room, and could not get up i mean we just i just could not move and just lost it and could not stop crying could not stop feeling guilty could not could not just i mean there's no adjectives for how you feel in that moment and like it's just like it's like man this is my fault like of everything i've ever done in my life that i've been able to get out of or been able to fix I, there's nothing I can do 
and it is the absolute most helpless feeling anybody you know could ever imagine and you know i couldn't get over the fact that you know this is my fault man this is my fault and i couldn't stop saying that and while i'm you know while i'm doing all this you know Lindsay is right there with me and she's trying to pick me up and she's trying to like get me to compose myself and while all this is going on the the hospital staff that was there in the room was you know they were taking all of the tubes out of her out of her out of sadie and they were cleaning her up and um and they told us you know you know this is you know this is the last time you're going to be with her before you know the process starts of the the funeral home and then you know and the embalming and, you know, yeah. and all that stuff and they said take all the time you need whatever you need take all the time you need and just just be with your daughter and brother i couldn't even look at her i mean i'm i'm face down on this hospital floor and lindsay who you just said all those great things about you know the person she is like my god man i mean this is her daughter that's also laying there motionless on, on this bed and she's worried about me of all people to worry about she's worried about me and you talk about strong women women of faith and you know all of the good that people do in this world man there ain't there, there, there's no better woman on this earth than Lindsay, and I'll put that up against anybody who wants to debate that because, <laughs> man, if we were on the 15th floor of that hospital, not the first floor, I, I might have, you know, gone to the top floor and, and jumped off of it. I, I just, that much pain is pouring through my body at this time. And it, like uh, you said, I mean, it's, it's every parent's worst nightmare. I mean, it, it's that's what we all, you know, lie awake at night thinking about, you know. How do we how do we keep our kids safe? How do we you know take care of our kids so that you know they they're they're okay? And, and like I said, I just it, it's just it's hard to even imagine Man, what yeah, what those it, moments are like. Exactly, you, you know, like you said, it's every parent's worst nightmare. And so, like you're you're sitting there and like talk about being like a complete failure as a father. That's how you, that's how you, I felt. Yeah. And while all this stuff is going on, man, like there's you know, someone got, got a hold of, you know, my brother and his wife and someone got a hold of our boy's babysitter and somebody got a hold of Lindsay's parents. And man, what's crazy is at the time, my, my, my parents were in the middle of the Gulf on a cruise. Somebody found a way. And this is before like cruises had like, you know, you weren't able to get a hold of anybody on a cruise ship. Yeah. Somebody got a hold like my cousin who at the time is in like Oklahoma finds a way to get a hold of my parents to let my parents know what's going on. The pastor of our church and his wife, uh, they were they were headed towards the airport to, to do their 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 yearly mission trip somewhere in the Middle East. And someone got a hold of them and they show up in the hospital room with us to be with us. So they're in the hospital room with us. Lindsay's uh, mom is in the hospital room with us. And keep in mind, I'm saying all kinds of things in front of my mother-in-law, in front of my wife, in front of our pastor and his wife that are just unimaginable things. You know, just again, with, with the guilt and 
you know, and it gets to the point where you're like, just like, you know, man, screw all of this. You know, I've been a man of God my entire life. But like, if you're going to do this to me, man, like, I'm done with you. Like, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've tried to be the man that you, I thought you wanted me to be, man. I'm done with you. I'm saying all of these things. And yeah. they're, they're just, they're, they're right there with me. And, you know, Lindsay finally was able to like grab me by my shirt and pick me up. And I'll never forget this man. Like she looked me dead in, in my, in my cold blooded eyes in that moment. And she said, look at me. And I said, baby, I, I, I can't, I can't look at you. She grabbed me again, almost like, <laughs> almost like choked me, but like grabbed me by the collar of my shirt. She said, look at me. I need you to tell me this was not your fault. I need to hear you say it. And I said, I can't do that. This was my fault. And she wouldn't let it go, man. She said, no, I need to hear you tell me this was not your fault because this was not your fault. This was nobody's fault. I need to hear you say it. And so finally, you know, like any husband does a pacifier, the wife can tell them what, you, what, what they want to hear. Yeah. And um, I was able to mumble those words. And the moment I said that, man, like I, I started, like I felt better, not better about what had happened. Like, I just felt like this, this presence, like this calming presence of like, Okay, man, like this, this is done now. So now it's time for you to be here. You need to be and be here for everybody else. And as much as I wanted to do that, I couldn't, I couldn't be there for anybody else. But, you know, I, I was able to get myself off the floor and, and, you know, 30, 45 minutes had passed by and hospital staff had gotten Sadie all cleaned up and uh, kind of wrapped her up in a blanket and, Man, I was able to look at her, and God, that just that absolutely just destroyed me. And I'm thankful now that the way the way she she died is the 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 trailer tires the the back tire of my truck knocked her over. The trailer tire is what actually ran over her torso, and so nothing on her body was deformed. Um, she looked like a normal baby that was just asleep. So I'm so thankful for that, you know, because, you know, once you've joined the fraternity of, of parents and of lost children, you hear all of these stories of, you know, drowning or getting, you know, you know, hit by a vehicle where, you know, just their bodies are, you know, you're just completely deformed, you know? Yeah. So, and that, that's, that's your, your lasting image is, you know, them being hurt in that, in that exactly. way. Exactly. way. Exactly. You know, and, and she looked completely normal. And so I was able to finally get myself together and I was able to hold her and, um, you know, Lindsay's mom got to hold her and, you know, and, and our pastor and his wife got to, they were, you know, they, they, they were there with us. And like you talk about how God works in, you know, just mysterious ways, man, like that is, that's what we needed in that moment. Like everything else, you know, you don't know what you need. And you don't, you don't need somebody to tell you what you need. It just needs to happen. And what happened in that room and how everybody was there, man, it just, it happened. And it's exactly what we needed to start our road to recovery in that moment. And, 
we got we we ended up spending about two two and a half hours in that room with her, and finally, you know, you know, we decided that you know, okay, it, it, it's time, you know, we've got to we've got to start putting the pieces back together. You know, we 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 got to go home. You know, because again, we've got two little boys that need us right now who have no idea yeah. what's going on, other than they saw their their sister. You know, get hit by a get you know hit by. A, a trailer. And so, man, where the story gets unbelievable is, is what happened next. We, um, we walked out of that emergency room and we have no idea where we're going. We just have, you know, all of the, the support staff that's in the hospital, of course, and, you know, they're all, everybody in that hospital hallway is, is crying. I mean, you know, you have doctors who see this every day and you have nurses who see stuff like this happen every day just in tears for what my family had just gone through. Yeah. And um, so they're kind of directing us to like the, the exit and to get to the exit, you have to go through the waiting room and, and like any, any hospital, the waiting room, waiting rooms are humongous, you know, because there's anywhere from, you know, a hundred people to a thousand people, you know, a night that, you know, go through events in their life. Yeah. Brother, when them doors open and we walk into that waiting room, there were three, four hundred people in that waiting room of family, friends, co-workers, former co-workers, people who don't even know us but know who we are or who are friends and family members of people who are close to us. Man, that 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 waiting room was just filled with people. And it was a total God thing, man, because again, me and Lindsay are thinking we're going to walk out of this hospital room and we're going to go home and just figure it out. And, uh, man, we walked into that waiting room and, uh, and of course our boys were there with, with, with their babysitter and they had already been told, you know, what had happened and what was going on. So we got, we got to take Michael and Cole into a little small room and, you know, and, you know, we told them what had happened and, what goes on in a, in a five and seven year old's mind or a, a four and six year old's mind is uncomprehensible to an adult and not knowing if we're saying the right thing or if you should say something more is something that you'll always question. And, you know, we, we had kind of told them, you know, what had happened and, yeah. you know, they both cried and um, our babysitter was, was in there in the room with us at the time. And, um, you know, she had, she had, she was, had raised all three of our kids, you know, from every coach knows this, you, you know, when, or every school teacher knows this, you know, if you're a female and you have a kid, you, you, you get six weeks of maternity leave and then, okay, go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all we get in public education. And so. And you have to hand your kid out to somebody else. Yeah. Our babysitter had, had raised all three kids from the time they were six weeks old to where we were at that point. So she was in there in the room with us. We left there. We walked back out into this room of, of all of these friends and family and community members. And, you know, we kind of hung out in that room and, you know, talked to everybody, you know, for, like I said, you know, about an hour or so. And then it was, okay, it's time. It's time to go home. And, man, we went that we went home that night still in complete and utter shock, of, you know, as to, you know, what just happened to us. And I couldn't sleep that night. And, 
course about midnight rolls around and live hope calls calls our phone to ask us if we were would be interested in you know being organ donors for sadie and yeah. like man like could you give me like 24 hours type thing <laughs> like now i get it i mean it's a time time sensitive thing right. and I think they ended up using like Sadie's eyelids and her the retina or you know, something with her eyeballs and maybe a few a few small organs to to use to you know give somebody else a better life and we appreciate that so much now but in that moment it's just like man are you serious like yeah. we're, we're really having to do this and of course we you know we get up that next morning and man I'll never man it's just I woke up that next morning still in, in you know in complete shock as to what was going on and didn't want to talk to anybody still wanted to you know feel sorry for myself and still hate life and you know hate everything about you know what had happened and man we got to start making calls we, we got we got to call the funeral home we, we've got to get this lined up we've got to get that lined up and i didn't want to do any of that and like i said man lindsay was I mean, a complete soldier through that whole process. And, you know, looking back on it, you know, as I've gotten over a lot of things and, and you know, have gotten, you know, back to, you know, who I was as a, as a religious person throughout the whole process, man, you know, then that's when guilt, you know, things start to creep back in. And like, at your weakest moment is when Satan is the strongest. And, I guess, you know, I felt selfish and I felt guilty. Like I'm putting my family through all of these things because I need, I, I need to cope with things and I need to deal with things. And man, I'm like the worst husband ever because my wife, she lost a child as well. And, you know, I couldn't get over, you know, what I had done. And, you know, like I said, Lindsay was just, she was so special and, and it's still to this day, so special, you know, through that whole yeah. process and, we I got out we got off the phone with the funeral home and you know we you know I think our appointment was for like eleven or eleven o'clock or noon to go up there. So as we're getting everything ready to go and, and head up there, I get a knock on the front door, and it's it's Willie Amendola, who at the time was he was you know Spring ISD's AD, and uh -huh. you know through the whole process of you know getting hired and you know working with him hand to hand the last you know four or five months, you know we we had grown you know like extremely close on a special bond. It was almost still to this day, like a, like a father, like a second father to me. And, um, and he showed up, he was on the, on our front porch and I opened that door, man. And I just lost him. And he just started crying, you know, and, and he grabbed me and, you know, he just stood there and he, and he just held me, man. And it's kind of the same thing. He said, he said, you know, coach, I'm those famous lines, you know, okay, bub. You know, like it's, it's always, all right, bub. So, you know, I got through feeling, feeling my feelings and all right, bub now. Okay. This is what we got to do. Um, man, I'll never forget it, man. He's the first person on, on my front porch. Yeah. And, we, you know, collected myself. You know, we got it, got in the car and headed up to the funeral home. And, man, we get up there. And um, the funeral home director tells us, hey, everything's been paid for. Don't worry about anything. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what? And um, you know the Garrisons, um, yes. Chris and Lisa Garrison, who you know I've known since I was a, a freshman in high school. Uh, 
made a few phone calls and, you know, they, they know somebody who knows somebody and, you know, everything had been taken care of from the standpoint of, you know, the funeral arrangements and, you know, the transport from one place to another mm-hmm. and like it was all paid for. And our next door neighbor, Miss Martha, who I told you, you know, like 75 years old, her and her husband had bought plots um, like 20 years prior. And her husband had passed, you know, about 10 years, you know, 10 years ago or so. And they decided, you know, they were going to be buried somewhere else. So she had these two plots. And so she told us before we went to the funeral home, she said, hey, I've got these two plots. You know, I'm just going to give them to you. You know, we don't need them. Obviously, you know, you need something. And so we had already had our plots, you know, that was already taken care of. Like she had taken care of that. We get to the hospital, the garrisons had taken care of everything else. And it's just like, Oh my God, man. Like through all of this pain and through all this hate that I'm feeling for what's going on right now, God is moving. I mean, he is moving in an unbelievable way. Yeah. And so we got everything set up. We got everything arranged. And we're getting, you know, getting ready to head back to the house. And my brother called and he said, hey, uh, he said, A-Dub's over here. And I'm like, hey, why is A-Dub over there? A-Dub is Coach Williams. He's the head football coach at Decaney, like a brother yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, he had just heard that morning. I guess, he probably talked to Willie. And uh, he was on our, he was on, man, he, he was there. And, you know, just the amount of love and support of, of people that had just, you know, you know, just reach out or come by. And, you know, we go to war with different, different schools that, you know, every Friday night, and you know, and at the end of the day, what people forget is like what, what we do as coaches, man, this is a brotherhood, man. This is a fraternity. We're, we're all doing this for the most part for the same reasons. And um, Dub had to, he, he had to leave. He was headed to Louisiana to go see, to go see his mom who wasn't do, or maybe his dad, I think at the time who wasn't doing well. So we couldn't stick around, but um, man, just like to show up on my front porch, like he had no idea where I lived, um, figured that out. He was over there just, man, just unbelievable stuff. And um, like the, the people that show up for you, when you don't really know how they really feel about you, because people say they got your back, you know, and they got you and whatever you need, you know, my phone call away. Like when you get in situations like that, that's when you know who your, your real friends are. Like that, that's when you know, like, okay, this dude would die for me. Like, yeah, I want to be in a foxhole with that guy. That's when you learn like who, who like real people really are. That's right. So he'll forever be indebted, you know, have a special place in my heart for, for that. So I'm trying not to keep this thing three hours long. So I'm going to push it up a little bit for you. No, um, this, we this get is, back. This yeah, is go great. ahead. Keep going. You know, this is great. I'm just saying this is great. And, and I think that's, you know, like, like you're saying that, you know, your lowest moment, you know, the, the thing that, that you remember, you know, it's, it's the human connection, you know, the, the people who were there for you. And, and, you know, so obviously you had a lot to deal with and a lot to process as an individual, but, you know, I mean, we all know that the dangers of, of being alone in, 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 in your downtime, you know, when, when you're, you know, it's late at night and you're just sitting there with your thoughts and, and how, how much of a, of a rabbit hole you can get into of, of negativity and, and that downward spiral. And so, 
uh, you know, I, I think it speaks volumes, like you said, of, of people, people being there and, and just that, that human connection of, you know, Hey, we're here for you. And we don't want you to, to deal with this on your own. We want, we want to, we want to make sure that, that you, that you have somebody to lean on when, when you don't have the ability to stand on your own, like, like you, you physically had, you know, uh, earlier in, in the situation. Absolutely, man. It was completely, completely overwhelming with, with the love and the support that, that is there, even when, when you don't know it is. And, you know, my brother and my sister-in-law, were, they were there with us every step of the way. Like I said, my parents were still trying to get back from, like, Jamaica or the Dominican, wherever their cruise was at. I, I can't remember now. But, I mean, they, they like, the wherever the, their next port was, they were going to have to catch a flight from somewhere in South America to get back. And so, like, I didn't have my parents there. I had my brother my brother-in-law, um, I'm sorry, my brother, my sister-in-law, Lindsay's brothers. I mean, they were there, and I mean, they were awesome for us. And when we left the funeral home and we got back to the house, um, you know, my, my entire coaching staff at, at Spring at the time, you know, they, they were there waiting for us. And, you know, it's crazy. It, it's it's. It's funny now to, to, to go back and, and look at kind of what transpired because like when you go to a wedding and like if you're in the wedding, if you go to like the bride side, you know, before the wedding ceremony starts, all the women are in there laughing, having a good time, doing makeup. They're all talking, you know, just a bunch of chatterboxes, right? And right. If you go over to the men's side, it's like, everyone's just kind of sitting there staring at each other, you know, like just, <laughs> yeah. the interactions that men and women having are so, are, are so different. And when right. we got back to the house, you know, some of Lindsay's coworkers, friends and family were there. And, and again, you know, they're all talking about what's going on and, you know, you know, women are planners, you know, it's just, okay, we, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. We got to do that. And you go over to the living room where all my coaches are at and everyone's just sitting there silent, just staring at each other. And, you know, for the women, it's kind of like, man, this is, this is, this is weird. Like, this is like somebody say something and, you know, a, a random, you know, woman would come over and try to spark conversation and, you know, you just sit there and you, you stare at each other. You know, I mean, nobody knows what to say in those yeah. moments, whether it's, it's you that it happened to, or you're there for support because nobody in that room had gone through what we had just gone through. And so again, the men are just kind of just, 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 just sitting there and, but what people don't realize is, and I don't think women realize this, from my perspective, is I didn't need anybody to say anything. My guys were there. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. And they were there for me in the, the lowest point of my life. And whatever I needed, they were there. I didn't have to say anything. They didn't have to say anything. They were just there for me. So after a couple of hours, you know, people started started to leave and uh, Jeff Myers at uh, at our church, he kind of he he's re- he's responsible for you know the coordination of okay what's next with the ceremony in the church because we were adamant about having the service at our church, which is Woods Edge Church by the way, phenomenal church over off yes. of Kirk and Dial and kind of in the Grand Parkway and Jeff Wells is I mean unbelievable. Like I said, I mean he's he he, he stopped his, his trip for four days to the Middle East 
to be to be with us. And so, I mean, anybody looking for a home church, I mean, Woods Edge, my God, man, just unbelievable people, unbelievable pastor. I'll never leave churches until Jeff Wells either retires or passes away because that that dude is, I mean, unbelievable. So when everyone started leaving, Jeff Myers comes over to the house to start talking about, you know, okay, who's going to speak? You know, what music do you want? How do you want the procession? You know, all, all those things, things that I don't want to talk about. And remember, yeah. at this point in my life, I'm still like, I don't want to believe God is real anymore. And I want to be bad at him. And I, and again, I want to feel sorry for myself. Like, that's what I want. I don't, I don't, I don't want any of this. And so we're, we're going through all the planning and, and, and I told Jeff, I'm like, look, I, I, I don't care who talks. I don't want to speak. I just want to, I, I want to be there. I want to be there for Lindsay and the boys. Whoever shows up, shows up. I can't speak. And, you know, Lindsay had already, you know, prepared herself. She wanted to talk. My, uh, my dad wanted to speak. Her dad wanted to speak. And, uh, and of course, you know, just, uh, you know, Jeff, the preacher, you know, who, who kind of runs the whole deal, you know, he was going to speak. Uh, so we had everything planned out. This was, this was Tuesday, uh, the next morning uh, or next afternoon. So we had everything planned out and we were going to have the funeral on Friday. And so, um, and again, you know, they went home and, you know, we're kind of just, we're there just to kind of figure things out on our own. Um, and Lindsay couldn't get over the fact that I wasn't okay. Like she could not leave me alone, not knowing that I wasn't in a good place. And um, what's crazy too, man, is everybody copes with things differently. Everybody copes with negativity or a loss or bad things in life differently. And the amount of people that, you know, they were in and out of our house in that 24 hours that, you know, take this sleeping pill, take that sleeping pill. You know, if you want a drink, here's a drink. You know, the, the amount of things that people offer you is just like, that's how they cope with things. Right. For me, I, I didn't want to be in any altered state of mind whatsoever. I didn't want to take medication. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to do anything. Again, I just wanted to sit in the hole and feel sorry for myself. And and and, and a lot of that too was is I, I didn't want to medicate because I felt so guilty that I wanted to punish myself and I wanted to suffer through all of this because I did this. I still believe, even regardless of what I told Lindsay, I did this. This was my fault. And so I didn't do any of that. And then, so we went to, we went to, uh, we went to sleep that night. And uh, man, the next day, we get a knock on our door from this couple, Jeff and Mackenzie Rollins. It's Wednesday morning, mid-morning. We get a knock on our door. And like, man, who, who, uh, like, who now? You know, and again, like my brother was there, my sister-in-law were there, Lindsay's mom was there. So we, I mean, we had people with us, but knock on the door comes in there. Everyone's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Knock on the door, and it's this couple, Jeff and Mackenzie Rollins. Like, hey, um, I'm Jeff. I'm Mackenzie. Um, they kind of shared their story. They had lost their daughter a few years prior. Uh, their daughter was six months old. They lost her to SIDS, and yeah. they were members of our church. I had never met them. Um, couldn't pick them out of a out of a lineup if you know you held a gun to my head. Like I had no idea who these people were. And um, 
they asked if they could come in and, and they could they could visit with us. And I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, come on in. Because again, at this point, you know, I didn't want I didn't want to talk about God. I didn't want to talk about you know their road to recovery and what helped them. Again, I just wanted to feel sorry for myself. And um, in the living room, and you know, they they shared their their story in depth with us. And you know, they they had just started their nonprofit organization where you know their their, their life mission was to help families who had you know just suffered child loss. And so we sat there for a couple of hours and, you know, talked about, you know, everything involved with what had just happened to us. And I, mean, I wasn't trying to hear it. I was, and I was cordial. I was polite, but I, I, I didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so Jeff looked at me and he said, Hey, let's, uh, let's get away from the women, man. Let's, let's go sit on the back patio and let's just talk. And I don't know if he sensed that, you know, there were things that I was holding back on that I didn't want to say in front of Lindsay or what, but, you know, I agreed to it. And so I said, okay, you know, whatever, we're going to have this, you know, this kumbaya, hug it out moment, life's going to be okay. So I already went out there with a negative thought in my mind, but we sat down and we started talking and, you know, I kind of went through the whole, you know, what I was going through and how I felt and, he said, he said, man, can, can we just, can we just pray? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't know what good this will do, but yeah, I'll pray with you. So, you know, close our eyes and he started praying. Man, he, and he said like this 30 minute prayer and I'm, and I'm like, man, like this dude can talk. Like, come on now. Like I'm ready to say amen and open my eyes. We're on the back patio. The sun's out. It, you know, it's, it's June. It's getting hot back here, Bubba. Like let, let's, yeah. let's speed up the process. <laughs> And so he's going through this prayer and um, then, then he kind of stopped and he's like, okay, all right, your turn. I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, whatever you're going through, man, like just, just give it to God, man. Just like put it out there, like give it to him, take it to the altar, put it at his feet. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say that's going to hurt God's feelings. Put it out there because we're not leaving this back patio until you have something that is going to get you past what you're going through. And so, so I said, okay. So, you know, so I, I started praying, you know, like, you know, God, you know, you know, forgive me, you know, but, but, you know, this is, this is BS, man. Like, like what's the, like, why me, you know, and I'm saying all this stuff in prayer and I'm starting to feel a little bit better, but it's still like, it's still, it's, it's all still there. So I get kind of done, you know, with, with you know, with what I was saying, and, you know, Jeff said, okay, you know, before we stop this, you know, how do you feel? And I said, Jeff, I feel better, man, but but I still, you know, I just, I, I, whatever you're thinking is going to happen, I'm going to have like this big just revival, like it's not going to happen. He said, okay, then we're not done yet. I said, okay. So he said, all right, now you say what you want to say. Now, what do you want? And I'm like, wow, like, what do I want? said, okay, what I want to know, I want to know that, that all this is real. Like, I, I'm not wasting my time out here praying. I want to know that God is real. And I want to know that, my, that, that, that Sadie is where she's supposed to be. And I want to know that she's okay. All I want to know is that she's okay. That's all I want to know. He said, well, man, just ask God for that, man. Put it on the altar. Take it to him. Give it to him. And just ask for it. So... 
you know, I started asking God for, you know, just, you know, piece by piece. Like, I, I need to know this is real. I need to know this lady's okay. I need to know that this is not all for nothing. And brother, this is where it gets like just beyond real. As I'm saying those things and I'm telling God, okay, I'm giving this to you. Please give me something. Man, I had this vision of like this big, beautiful white castle, you know, just off in the distance with all of this, you know, just tall green grass just flowing, you know, in between me, you know, in this big white castle. And then I see, you know, kind of not, I don't see God, but I see like this vision of God and I can see Sadie and she said, daddy, I'm okay. And man, that just killed me. Man, I started bawling out there on that back patio. And I'm like, man, that's, that's what I need. That's what I needed. <laughs> and, and Jeff said, okay, we're not done yet, man. Like we're, we're not done. And I said, well, I don't know what else I need. That, that's what I needed. He said, anything else, man. Like, and, and so again, I was like, man, I just like, is this, like, is this real? Is this not just something that, that I'm, that I'm seeing, you know, with my eyes closed, like, is this real? And then I heard this voice when, and, and I know it's God now. And it was, she's with me. She's okay. Everything is okay. And man, I lost it again. Wow. Yeah. I lost, I mean, I lost it again. Like she's with me. She's okay. We're okay. So I got myself back together and uh, we walked back in the house and, uh, and I told Lindsay, and, and, and again, we were out there for, it seemed like an hour, maybe two hours. Um, I have no idea to this day about while they were inside. Um, and I told her, I said, I'm and of course my shirt was soaking wet from tears and from sweat and everything else. And, um, and she looked at me like I, like I was a ghost, and she and I said, "Sweetheart, I, I'm gonna be okay." Of course, and she started crying, and you know we're crying together, you know, and holding each other. And um, man, that's exactly what I needed because in in that instance, like my entire mindset and how I felt completely changed, and like I knew in that moment, like everything that that I had done and everything that that I'd been doing wasn't for nothing that there is, there is a God out there. God is real. And he put these people in our lives in the exact moment that we needed them. Yeah. And it was like this overwhelming, like just burden completely lifted off my shoulders to feel that. And what's even crazier, man, is, is after a while, you know, I, I had to go to the bathroom and, you know, I had, like, I, I couldn't even fathom, you know, just like watching videos or looking at pictures of Sadie because I couldn't hear her voice. Like it would kill me to hear her voice. And yeah. so I walked into the bathroom, turned on the light, shut the door. And as soon as I shut that door, I hear this, hi, daddy. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like it, it was like pitch perfect in her voice, like right there. And 
like that was the affirmation for me that like God was there for me in that moment. But now I know he's not going to leave us. Like now I know that it wasn't just for, okay, this is back to doing what you do. Like I got her. It's all good. Like, no, like he, he, like that happened. And like, it was just such an overwhelming feeling to hear her voice, to, to hear that. And like, that was it. So I walk out of the bathroom and I walk back into the living room and I told Lindsay, I said, Hey, Hey, call, call Jeff Myers. Let him know that I, I, now I know what I got to do. She's like, well, you know, what is that? I said, I'm going to, I'm going to speak at Sadie's funeral. And she was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to speak. She's like, do you know what you're going to speak about? And I said, no, I don't really know what I'm going to speak about. I just, you know, I, I have this overwhelming, like just feeling that I need to say something. She was like, oh, okay. So she called, she picked up the phone. She called Jeff Myers and, um, told Jeff that I, I wanted to speak and he was like, okay, well, what, you know, does, does he have an idea of what he wants to say? She's like, no. And, you know, she's an English teacher. She's a planner and she's a woman. <laughs> yeah. And so like, it, 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 she was just like completely freaked out. She had like her whole, you know, two, three pages typed up and everything mapped exactly out. How yep. She was going to say it. everything was mapped out and, she was like, well, do you want to, you know, put together like, you know, some note cards or something? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And Corey, I don't, I don't think she slept a wink the night before that funeral, just worried about what I was going to go up there and, and say, and man, at, at that point I was at complete peace with, with everything that, you know, I was feeling and everything that I was going through. And I think I kind of had my mind made up on our way to the, the church that morning that, what I was going to do is I was going to share with everybody that was there in that room, what God did for me. And when he showed up in the moment that I needed him the most, I don't know how I was going to say it. I didn't know how I was going to start it. I just knew that that's the message that I wanted to, to deliver. I felt like it was my mission now to, to tell everybody that was there, God is real, regardless of how you feel or what you've done. This is what he did for me. And if I could, if I could help one person in that room that, that morning, that's what I was going to do. And, um, we got to the, we got to the church and we got to, we got to go back. Me and Lindsay got to go back and see Sadie one last time, little family private viewing before everybody else started uh, coming in. So we did that. And, um, we went to the back room, um, little family holding room, uh, for us to hang out until, you know, everybody got there and they were ready to get started. And, um, pastor came back and right before it was time to start he said okay um you guys ready to go and uh Lindsay looked at me she's like okay you know what you're gonna say right and, and I looked at her again I said no not really I have an idea of what direction I want to go but uh I'm just gonna start talking and uh, she she did not want to hear that <laughs> she didn't say anything she was cool she didn't say anything and so man when they opened that door and we, we, we starting to walk out every spring high school football player in our program was lined down the walkway on both sides of us in suit, suit and ties. And they had their, uh, they had their green, uh, football ties on with, with pink S's on them. And 
man, I don't know how they pulled that off in such a short period of time, but, you know, just a green satin tie with a pink S stitched on it. So, like, somebody was, like, putting in some work the last yeah. 48 hours to, to get all that stuff done, man. And they opened that door. We started walking through all these kids, and every one of, these, every one of those kids, man, Coach, I got you. I got you. I got you. We got you. And just the things that that mean the most are so special in situations like that because, again, you don't know what you need. No one can tell you what you need. You just – you figure it out, man, you know. And and so what, we got we got through all the players, man, and I'm, and I'm drying my eyes and, you know, trying to collect myself. Um, I don't know how big Woods Edge Church is on the inside. I don't know. If, I mean, I would assume it holds between 1,000, maybe 1,500 people inside the congregation. And – Man, we turned around and looked back, and that entire church was—I mean, it was—it was packed, jam-packed. And again, like I didn't know that I knew a thousand people, um, but just to to look back and see, you know, a, a packed house for a funeral service for a two and a half year old, you know, not a not a sixty-five-year-old or a seventy-five-year-old retired football coach who's impacted, you know, twenty thousand kids. We're talking about a two and a half-year-old little girl who knew all of maybe fifty people. And <laughs> yeah, looking back and seeing that man, just like just so overwhelming to see all of that. And and, and again, for me, that that just affirmed that you know somebody somebody in this church today needs to hear what I'm going to say. And so. Um, Pastor started the ceremony, you know, they played a few songs and then um, I ended up speaking first. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if someone told me the order of speakers or what. I think Lindsay probably told Jeff that I need to speak first. So in case I completely fumble it, she can save <laughs> us and, and she can go second. Um, but man, I went up there and, and, and they told me later that I talked for like 30 minutes and, and I just talked about, you know, where I was at in that, in that dark place and what God did for me and what he did for my family and just seeing everybody here, what that means to us and our family. And I, and I used it as a, I used it as a way to talk to all the kids that were out there, you know, in the service. And I talked to them about um, just everything that life can throw at you and what life has to offer. And if you just keep your eyes on what's important and know that, that everything you do is geared toward the kingdom and geared towards doing God's work. You know, God will be there for you in your deepest and darkest moments. And like, I felt such at peace getting to do that and getting to say those things in front of all of those people, because I think a lot of people had a lot of questions about how, you know, we were coping with it, how we were going to handle it, what our life was going to look like, you know, moving forward. Uh -huh. um, and I, I think I answered a lot of questions or a lot of doubt people might have had in their minds that day about how they were feeling about whatever situation they were going through or whatever hardships, you know, they had that they were facing, you know, I had hit rock bottom and the worst thing that could happen to anybody had just happened to me and my family and to still find grace and to still find God in the midst of all of the evil that was going on inside of me. Like 
that's what they needed to hear. And that's, that's, that was the biggest thing that I wanted to share and, and for people to understand that at the end of the day, when the doors close and the lights go off and the last game is played, God was there for me when I needed him the most. And it was just, it was so, so awesome to see, you know, just the mannerisms and the mindsets and, and how people, you know, just were just taking all of that in, you know, during that, that service. And man, it was just, that, that whole process was just so, so unbelievable. Like, like I said, man, you know, just the overwhelming love and support from people you hadn't talked to in 20 years or seen in 20 years, or you didn't know that, you know, we're close or, or whatever. I mean, just unbelievable. And, you know, and being on the GHFCA now, you know, as a board member, you know, back then I was never on a staff or been a part of a staff that, you know, like took it serious for what it was. And, you know, as a sitting board member now, you, you get to be a part of all the conversations and all the, all the stories we hear with the benevolence fund and, you know, this family's going through this and this family's going through that. Can we send them money for this and for that? And like I said, you know, we, we had never been really a member of it. And at the time, Drew Sabota was the, uh, he was the president. And, you know, we, we had gotten the check in the mail like a week later from the GHFCA. And so like little bitty things like continue to happen for us, you know, people reaching out and people taking care of us and people just doing whatever they can to help and support with, money or phone calls or texts or just showing up on our front porch and the thsea was big you know they they sent a check from their benevolence fund and and all of that money went towards you know building a scholarship foundation for or not a scholarship foundation but we're, we're putting all that money away for uh michael and cole's um you know futures for you know for when they go to school you know we have a little yeah. bit of money saved away yeah. for them now now to you know, be able to, to cover some of those college costs because, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we walked into that funeral home and everything had already been taken care of. And so what I learned through that whole process is there are so many good people out there, whether they, they tell you or they show you, or you don't even know, there are so many good people out there that just want people to just be okay. And, until you go through through something tragic like that you just you, you just you you don't know and we've been blessed and we, you know we still to this day we get supported and support from so many people and uh you know being at willis now people in willis have they've kind of heard about our story and um we've started a, a scholarship foundation in sadie's name through willis high school now and so it's, it's almost like the gift of God that just it keeps on giving. We're now able to bless other families with, you know, anything they may need with scholarship money for whatever, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's just, it continually grows. And, and now we use our platform to, again, further the kingdom of God and, and share our story and what he's done for us. And there's no better place on earth to, to further the kingdom than education whether it's through staff developments with teachers or whether it's through, you know, talking to a locker room full of, you know, 65 football players, because I also made peace a long time ago with the fact that I'm going to spread the gospel, what God did for me and what that community in spring, what those players did for me, God is there and God worked for us. And if I get fired one day for, for, you know, spreading the gospel and using, using God, 
to, to do how I do things. If, if I get fired in the future for that, then that was just meant to be. So be it. I'll get a yeah. job somewhere else. Um, it's just been through all that tragedy, we have been blessed with so much and we've been blessed with so many good people and so many good things in our life. You can never take away or you can never get back what we lost, but the story that we get to share and what we get to do for others now gives me hope that everything that I've seen and heard from God is real. And that's what we're in the business of doing now, man. Just, just furthering the kingdom. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, I, I've always heard, you know, and, and everybody, everybody has, has dealt with loss in some form. And, and obviously like your situation is, is different because, you know, no one ever wants to see their child, I said, uh, go through any harm. And, but, you know, I've always heard that with grief, like, you know, you never, never really get over it. Some days you feel it more than others and it, you know, but it's it, that, that voice always going to be there. Uh, you know, when, when you're, when you're grieving and, and, and thinking about that. And, uh, but, you know, so, and, and you were just talking about the, the impact of, of Sadie and, and her memory and how it's able, how you're able to, to kind of give back to others and, and help others. And, and I'm sure, you know, in, in, your, in this situation, like you, it, it probably changes how you, how you see things and how you, how you view helping others and being there for others when, when you've been on the other side of it. Absolutely, man. You know, there's the, the old saying is, you know, time heals everything. Well, I found that to be a lie. I don't think that time heals anything. I feel like God heals everything and God, God heals everything in his own time. Um, and so, I mean, there, there's, there's reminders, you know, every day, you know, going down the highway, you know, coming from Willis back to spring every day. Um, you know, I pass by the funeral home every single day. Uh And it's, it's, it's never, like, it never gets easy. You just learn how, you learn how to deal with it and you learn how to channel your emotions. I mean, there are still, like, I finally got to the point about three years ago where I could, I could, I never had an issue after about three or four weeks uh, from when she passed. I never had an issue with looking at pictures. I just couldn't watch videos because I could, like, it, it would kill me to hear her voice. Yeah. And that went on for probably close to three years, man. And, and I'm at, I'm at the point now in, in a good place now where like the videos, they don't bother me anymore. Now you get that, that overwhelming sense of like happiness and joy. Like the videos now bring a smile to my face and, and, and I can yeah. laugh now with, with Lindsay and the boys when, when I watch those videos of, you know, her eating queso and getting it all over her face or, you know, <laughs> yeah. at the beach and building sandcastles, man. I mean, it, it hurts, but it feels good at the same time because what you also don't want to do is you, you don't want to forget. And I think the biggest thing for me, you know, weeks and months after she had passed is I, I didn't want to forget her and I didn't want anybody else to forget her. Um, not forget our story. I just didn't want, like, I didn't want my, my two boys to, to lose sight of who their, who their sister was and, and to know that she's always there with them. And, um, you know, when they pray at night, know that, you know, God hears their prayers and, you know, just never take anything for granted that there's nothing too hard in life that, that can't be fixed if you just have faith and you have hope. And, Throughout this whole process, man, you know, like we've had the opportunity to speak to to so many families who are who are who are new to child loss. And 
it's not easy. I mean, when you, when you talk about it, um, especially with, with new families who, who are in the, the early stages of losing the child, I mean, you still get emotional. You, you, you still get teary-eyed because every time you talk about it, what you felt those days and those weeks and those months afterwards, those emotions, they, they all come back. Yeah. And, you know, I've just, you know, I've shared my story with, with so many people and, and, and so many different organizations where, you know, early on, like it, it was hard to get through them without getting choked up and take a moment and to, you know, take, take three, take, take four, you know, now it's to the point now where it's, it's easier to talk about it because I've talked about it so much. I get, I get joy in talking about it because I know in these past six years that somebody is getting something positive from this. And for me, that's what, that's what it's all about now. It's, it's all about, you know, reaffirming, you know, what we did and what we went through. And that is going to help somebody else, whether they see it right there in that instance, or they, they, they see it three months later, six months later, a year later. Um, but what we've been able to do and, and the, the, the lives we've, we've been able to impact has just been, it's, it's a total God thing, man. And it's just, it's, it's so rewarding to know that you can help somebody else by doing something other than just talking football with them. You know, uh -huh. like now we have so much more to offer to the youth of America that we interact with every single day, me and Lindsay, both. There's so much more with Lindsay's job now than Romeo and Juliet. Now it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, at Willis now she's on the same campus with us. They see her, they, they see Michael and Cole running up and down the sidelines and around the building every day. But when they go to her classroom and they see Sadie on the wall, now it's okay. Well, we don't see the little girl, you know, where is she at? So now she can have real conversations with 16 and 17 and 18 year old kids about, okay, this is, this is Sadie. This is what happened to her. This is what our family's been through. So now she's able to relate and she's able to get on a different level with, with high school students that just the normal average teacher can't, that they, they can't emotionally connect with, with students at that level. Yeah. And so it's, it's powerful. It's so powerful, man. And, and, and again, I, I can't talk and stress enough about how strong of a woman she is and, and how proud of her and how much stronger she's become through all of this because of what she herself has had to go through. And she has been the anchor to our family through all of it. And never batted an eye, never, never, you know, taken a step back, never doubted, never second guessed anything has just got up in the morning and been a soldier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and obviously that's what, that's what you needed, you know, like you needed your family to, to, to be close and, and to take care of each other. And, you know, he said, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you don't always have good days and bad days at the same time. You know, sometimes you got to pick each other up. You got to, you gotta, you know, help each other. And, you know, I, I've, I myself have two daughters. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and, you know, mm -hmm. you talk, talking about the, you know, they're listening to their voices. I mean, there, there's nothing sweeter than, you know, when, when you walk in the door and they say, daddy's home, you know, and they run up to you mm -hmm. and, you know, my, the one-year-old, like the, that's her first words that she's saying, she says, dad, dad, you know, and, and she says, dad, yep. dad, and smiles at you. And I mean, there, there's nothing like it, you know? So, 
you know, you talking about the, you know, her memory and, and, and being able to see that now, you know, and that's, that's incredible. Cause you, you, obviously that means that you've, you've been able to forgive yourself. You've been able to, uh, to deal with, with everything and, and you understand, you know, that, that as painful as it was, now you get to live a greater purpose. Uh, and, and you know, so it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great story and a great, great message for sure. Yeah, man, that, that, that's been the most rewarding thing is, a lot of people go through their entire life either not knowing what their purpose in life is or not knowing if they're living out what their purpose was. It, you know, it, it, was this really my purpose? You know, when, they, when they're on their deathbeds, when you're on your deathbed and you're looking back on, you know, did you do things right? Did you do them wrong? What would you have changed? Like at a very young age, like me and Lindsay both learned, you know, what our purpose on this earth is. And, Again, you know, like talking about God and going going back to God, man. I mean, I knew at a very young age that I wanted to to be a football player, and then when when my football playing career was over, whether it was high school, college, pros, or whatever, I wanted to to be a coach. Lindsay knew at a very young age that she wanted to be a school teacher, and so from the moment we were conceived, I know now that. The, the, the groundwork and the story in God's eyes had already been written. And that's hard for a lot of people to understand that, you know, that, that you know, because God, you know, God believes in free will. Um, and that's true. And it's so important to know that your story in God's eyes has already been written. It's just about how your journey looks to get there. And as painful as it is, and and don't get me wrong, when, when I make it to heaven one day, God willing, I'm going to ask that dude a lot of questions. <laughs> like, I get it. I appreciate the work that you had me do. But come on, man. Like, like why us? Like, 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 are you for real? Like, yeah. But the flip side of that, too, is like, I have all these questions that my humanly body wants to ask him now. But when you get to the kingdom, it doesn't matter because because you're there. Um, yeah. And. I have learned so much about myself and my family and my faith throughout this entire process that it's done nothing but, but make us stronger, stronger, you know, human beings. And I'm not, you know, I, I know I'm on this podcast that a lot of people are going to hear and a lot of people know me and they know how I coach and they know how, how I interact with people. I'm not by any means saying I'm perfect. And do I do a lot of things that, that may be questionable? Absolutely. To, Whatever degree that is, depending on who the person is, do I say some things I shouldn't say? Do I act the way I shouldn't act sometimes? Absolutely. But I've learned through all of that 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 I'm a human, and humans are going to make mistakes, and humans are going to do you know dumb things. At the end of the day, I know where my heart is and who I am as a person, and I know that God knows those things as well. So, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with just being you know, who I am, doing what I do, acting how I act. And I have never been able to not put my head on my pillow at night, at night knowing that, you know, I didn't do everything that I was supposed to do that wasn't right for what we were trying to get done. And, um, you know, like you said earlier, you know, that there's good days and there's bad days. That's true. But what I've learned through, through our journey is 
there are good and, and bad days, but more importantly, there's good and bad moments every single day. And so even if you're having a good day, you might get hit with a big sack of, oh, right, here it is. Like you're going to have bad moments and you're going to have good moments throughout every single day. And, and it's what you do with those emotions and it's what you do with those feelings that define who you are as a person. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to bring it all back into the, the coaching side of things, you know, I'm sure your perspective has changed, you know, like when you go through something like this, you know, all of a sudden, you know, fumbling the ball, you know, five yard line, it, you don't react the same way. You know, he said, having been through some, some real, some real life difficulties and challenges, you know, it really puts into perspective what's important and what matters. And, you know, so you, you probably are able to, to really focus on some different things as a coach, especially, you know, leading the program, you know, there's so many things that get thrown at you. So I would imagine that, you know, having this perspective really kind of helps you uh, focus on, on the, the, the big picture stuff, the, the, the important things. And, you know, some of those little things that, that might throw you off some days, you know, are you, you discern a little bit better what, uh, what to focus on and what to, you know, kind of leave up to, to some, to, to another time. Absolutely, man. You, you know, and, you know, football coaches are going to hate hate hearing this, but at the end of the day, what we do, at the end of the day, we're teaching these kids how to how to play a game. When, when you compete at the wins and losses, football is a game. It has a lot to do with life, but at the end of the day, like you're talking about, you know, jumping off sides or, or a 10-yard holding penalty, at the end of the day, that happens throughout the course of a game. It's just a game. Now, what you do with that game is completely separate from the actual game itself. And I think that's what a lot of people, um, a lot of coaches, especially young coaches, I think that's the mark they miss. Everybody wants to, to reach the pinnacle of their career and everybody wants to be a, you know, coordinator, a, a head coach, or they want to be the, the best assistant coach they can be. And all of those things are great. And you should strive to be those things. Um, and, and I'll say this too. I mean, everybody has been on that staff that's had that one coach that has jumped to call this kid a piece of crap. Well, he's a piece of crap. You know, he'll never do this because he's a piece of crap. Or you can never rely on this kid because of this. Well, you know, before all this stuff happened with us, with, with Sadie, um, I won't say that I never said those things. I'm sure I did. But what I didn't do is I never defended the situation or defended the kid the way – you know, it probably should have been, you know, handled. What I mean by that is like my complete and total outlook on life and what we're doing with these kids daily changed, you know, when, when, you know, that tragedy happened. Um, I learned how to take a step back in every situation with every kid that we deal with and find out and look at the why. Why is that kid acting like that? Yeah. Why is that kid doing that? Why is this kid repeatedly making the same mistakes? Why am I having to call this kid at 7 a.m. because school starts at 7.30 and I haven't seen him yet? Why is it Saturday at 9 a.m. and they're supposed to be here for workouts? Is he not here yet? Looking for the why is so important in everything that we do as coaches. You need to know why the kid is the way he is. You need to know what the kid is going home to not every kid has a perfect situation you know you know and i've been fortunate enough to be at a number of different places that serve a variety of different 
you know, cultural backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, I've, re- I've worked with rich kids, poor kids. Um, and you can't take for granted the fact that, yeah, that kid comes from a lot of money. He's going to, he's going home to a mom and dad to love him and a mom and dad to care for him. More times than not, they're battling the same battles and the same struggles that the kid who lives, you know, in a trailer house with no running water is dealing yeah. with the, you know, the, the divorce rate, the, the, the amount of, you know, instability that, that everyone in this country is going through right now is so high that every kid is battling something. And the important thing is to figure out what it is they're dealing with and what it is they're battling so that you can help that kid not make the same mistake. You can help that kid get to school on time. You can help that kid, you know, get his uh, NCAA clearinghouse stuff done. Like, if you don't know the why, you'll never understand the process to getting that kid where he needs to be. And that's what's changed in me the most is because, again, we're talking about spring high school, um, a very, very diverse population, um, not a lot of money. There, there, there's not a lot of kids that come from stable backgrounds within, within that community. And for what we went through, and I've got 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids that show up for me on the day of a funeral, and they tell me, I got your back. That's more powerful than anything I could ever do for anybody in my life. Yeah. And before you're quick to write kids off and say they're just this, because there were probably some kids that were there at the funeral that day that we had written off. They showed up for me in a moment that I needed them. It puts everything in a complete different perspective. Uh And like, that's the biggest thing to walk away from when, when you're looking at the big picture is what impact are you really making in these kids' lives on a daily basis? Wins and losses are great. And what I'm learning, especially in a one-horse town, wins and losses will will help you keep your job or get you run out of town really quick. <laughs> but you can't run, you can't shy away from the process of building the human being while going through the process of winning games. I truly believe, and I've said this for years now, if you can get the mind and the soul right in a kid, the wins and losses will take care of themselves. If you can get them to buy in and believe in everything that you're doing, knowing they got your back and you've got theirs, the wins will take care of themselves. And that recipe has worked for us pretty well in the last six years. So I think we're doing something right. Can we do stuff better? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Can we strive to be better role models? Absolutely. And when we figure out and identify what those things are, things will be even better in any situation that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, and, and like I said, I, I really appreciate, you know, just the, the fact that you, you've been able to get this, this new perspective. And I think it's something that everybody needs to hear, you know, because it is, it is easy to say, Oh, you know, this, this kid, this, and this, you know, and, and at the end of the day, they're still kids and they all have their stuff they're dealing with. And, you know, and, you know, someday, you know, like your boys, you know, like they, they lost their sister when they, when they were young, like that, that may manifest itself in some way later down the road. And, you know, like you, you're going to want somebody to have grace on them to say, Hey, you know, 
they, they're still learning how to handle. You know, they were they're like you said four and six years old when when this ha- this tragedy happened. Like you would want somebody to call them a piece of crap because they you know were dealing with something, struggling with something. You know, that might have been a result of that. You know, you just you just never know. And everybody's story is different. Everybody's got their own things they're dealing with. Uh, and so, so it really is a great message to to just remember to to look at the individual. And and remember that they that they're they're dealing with something. Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's got their own issues, their own uh, things that they that they confront every day. And you know, the the more that we learn to to treat each other as people and not as a number or a position or you know a whatever label we we attach on somebody, uh, you know, the the better off our programs will be. And then, like I said, that then the rest, you know, it, it's it'll take care of itself. You know, when when you do get to put the focus on the important things. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. So, um, well, you know, that's, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so, so thankful, uh, that you're able to just join us today and, and, and tell your story. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, so that having known you and, and, and Lindsay for, for as long as I have, I'm, I'm still, I'm still impressed, you know, and, and everybody, you know, um, uh, on my on my Twitter account, I have you know the quote that you don't know how tough you, you can be until being tough is the only option, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think about that when, when I see you guys because you know I don't I don't know I said I have my my daughters you know are are everything to me right now and so they're 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 four and one and and I just you know I I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in, in that situation but you know if you know you you ne- you you never planned that either you know nobody nobody plans to be in those situations and you just you don't know how you're going to handle things until you have to handle them uh and so just you know said watching you and and, and seeing how you how you've grown as a family and how you've you know stuck together you know is is just very impressive very inspirational and and like I said I just I I just hope that you know you, uh, I want to you know that's why I wanted to help kind of broadcast your your message to as many people as we can so that uh you know people can see just what you know what great examples you are and and that you know and 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 like you said you're not perfect and and you're you 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 have your own struggles but you know ultimately like you're you're somebody that that people can look up to and say hey you know hey that you know he went through this like i said the lowest possible situation and 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 he made it through and you know so maybe you know people can can take that as as inspiration of hey i'm dealing with something it's nothing like what the millers went through in, in in comparison but you know they overcame that, and they're here, and they able able to take a breath and take a step, and 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 move on with their lives and make a difference. And so, so we all can can learn something from that as well. So, uh, again, I'm just I'm so thankful that, that you're able to share your message. It's an incredible, powerful, incredibly powerful one, uh, and just you know you having the courage to you know to share it, speak about it. You know, it's I, I really hope that that others can can take something away and 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 put that forward to to whatever their endeavors are. Absolutely, man. You know, and, and, and the biggest thing is, like I said earlier, I mean, you don't know what you need. Nobody can tell you what you need. At the end of the day, whatever it is you're going through or anyone's going through, whether you feel like it's the biggest thing out there or the, the smallest little detail, all you have to do, even if you don't know how, is just ask for help. I mean, we grew up in a society where nobody wants to ask for anything. And if you don't know how to ask for help, there's ways that you can, you can put your message out there of what you're dealing with, where there are so many good people out there that are willing to drop what they're doing in a moment's instance and help you. So like, that's the biggest thing. I mean, 
anybody who listens to this 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 podcast, I mean, I, I truly want them to know that if they ever find themselves dealing with anything close to what we're going through or just loss in general, man, we, we are we're here for them and we've we've been down that road, we we've we've been down that path and everybody's got their own story and every everyone's got a different story. And Sadie passed away a certain way and you know, somebody else might experience child loss in something completely different in a different way. Child loss is child loss, man. I mean, it's that fraternity that nobody wants to be a part of. Uh-huh. Um, but for anyone out there that's listening, I mean, if, if you're going through it or if you, if you know of someone that is going through it, I mean, we're always a phone call, a text, an email, a drive-by away. And like we, we've committed our lives to doing whatever we can to, to helping out anybody who needs who needs that support because I wouldn't be here today if Jeff and McKenzie Rollins had not showed up on our doorstep. That right. I can promise you. I'm not <laughs> saying I would, have, I would have killed myself, but I would have not had the success that, that, I, that I've had, you know, through all of the tragedy without somebody knocking on, on our front door. Because I'm going to tell you, like, had they just called, I wouldn't have answered it. Had they left a voicemail, I probably wouldn't yep. have called them back. But they had yeah. the courage to show up on our front porch, and we're not leaving without a no. We're going to get this fixed. We're going to get this. We're going to get this right for you. And again, that's that's it. It all goes back to the the power of God and, and the power of prayer. And like I said, we are, we are so blessed to be in such a such a profession that is geared so much towards helping and serving others that you can't forget that the, the biggest piece in all of that is, is, is God. God, God is the biggest piece in all of that. And we've all been called to do what we do and we're doing it the way we're doing it in the eyes of how God wants us to do it. And that's what we're here to do. And we're here, like I said, we're here for, for anyone that needs us, man. Yeah. Well, I, again, and thank you for that. And, and again, you hope that nobody, Nobody has to take you up on that, but you know, if if anybody ever fi- does find themselves in that situation, you know that, that they, it's it's good to know that they, that there are people, you know, a lot like you and Lindsay, and, uh, and that that uh, that can help you out and and they can just kind of help navigate that. You know, there, there's no handbook on any of this. There, there's no pamphlet that tells you how to deal with it. And like I said, every situation is different. Everybody's going to deal with things in their own way. But you know, but it's always nice to to have the people there to to kind of help you take those steps, you know, like, like, you know, the, the analogy uses perfect of, you know, kid getting hurt on the field and, you know, they, sometimes they need, they need a trainer or coach or teammate to get under their shoulder and just help them take those steps to get to where they need to be. And like I said, that, that's, that, that's, that's a perfect example of, of, of the, the big picture stuff of, you know, like sometimes we are that person getting carried off the field and sometimes we got to, you know, just be the, be the first one there to help, you know, put, put an arm on, on, on your shoulder and, and help them take that, that step to, to the next thing. So, um, again, I, you know, th- thank you so much for, for your message. You know, it's been an honor and a pleasure to, to talk to you, to, to hear you know, your stories and your, and your insight. And, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that this can, you know, we can continue to spread your message and, you know, and that the memory of Sadie can live on and, and help others. Um, you know, I, I, you know, of, of course I, I wish you the best this season. You know, as, as always, I'll, you know, I'll be checking the, 
the, the football app, you know, and, and seeing how, how your team's doing throughout the season while we're all uh, dealing with, with all the same stuff. But, you know, wish you and your team and, and your family all the best. And, uh, you know, again, just thank you so much for, for your message and, and for, for your wisdom. Absolutely, man. I, I totally I appreciate everything that you do for the GHFCA and what, what you do for our profession. And um, so thankful to be on the show and, and get to share our message and, and, and share our journey and our road to recovery. And like everybody else, man, just a, just a football coach trying to trying to do what we do. And I'll get on the app and check the scores too. And I wish everybody listening nothing but the best unless you're playing the Willis Wildcats. And then we'll be friends <laughs> after the game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, th- thanks a lot, Trent. And, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll see each other, you know, next week at coaching school. And, and I said, good, good luck. And, and t- tell, tell Lindsay hi for me, please. Yes, sir. I will do, brother. I appreciate you guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Trent. Right, see, yes, talk sir, to you soon. Thank you. All right. If you have a recommendation for a guest to have on the Houston Coaches Podcast that can help us continue to impact young men and women through the power of positive coaching, please email your suggestion to HoustonCoachesPod at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at Coaches Houston and send us your suggestions there. You can catch a new episode every Friday on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Houston Coaches Podcast, presented by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Our theme song is In the Battle of Good and Evil by Ryan Davis, a former high school football coach. Please subscribe to our show and leave us a review so we can continue to spread our message to a larger audience. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation about Houston area football and its impact on all those privileged to be a part of it.